Genesis chapter 10. I want you to turn there. Um, we're going to kind of begin it tonight. I just hit, uh, the, I just kind of gave you about a, a two-minute um, introduction last week, and, and tonight we're going to get into this a little deeper. This is very, um, it's a difficult chapter 10 and chapter 11. Um, you have to remember that they're not in chronological order. When this was given, when this was written, it had already happened. And so some things are referred to in chapter 10 that happened in chapter 11. So don't get all upset when you see that. You have to understand that um, that was not chronologically, okay? Now, this is one of those chapters that when we're teaching, we usually leave out. The reason we leave it out is because it requires tedious study to deal with chapter 10 and chapter 11. Well, part of chapter 11 we deal with, the Tower of Babel, and that we'll deal with that. But, but chapter 10 is just too many names, right? Can't pronounce half of them, pronounce them all wrong. And that's why at funerals, I, unless the family asks me to read an obituary, I don't do it. I will do it if they ask me to do it. Uh, because I've heard other preachers try to read an obituary. They pronounced every name wrong, you know? And, and, and it's, uh, it's difficult when you're trying to read names you do not know, and, and they're pronounced in different ways and written different ways. And so chapter 10 is a book of names, but it's a book of names that we need to hear about tonight. So try to follow with me if you can in chapter 10. I'm thinking that probably... A thousand years may have occurred between the flood and Babel. We're not sure about that. We can't be absolutely sure, but at least scholars believe that there was somewhere around a thousand years it happened from the flood unto the Tower of Babel. You see, you say, why do you say that? I want you to understand this. The flood destroyed sinful man but the flood did not destroy the sinful nature. Do I need to say it again? Y'all get it first time? All right. You see, the sinful nature, when Noah came out of that ark, he still bore flesh. And in flesh is no good thing, right? And so, uh, even then, even though the sinful men were killed, the sinful nature... Well, as the Bible tells us, we have to die daily, don't we? And so it is a serious matter. And so that's what we're seeing here, start to just grow again. And, and we have to remember chapter 10, like I said, is not chronological. And let me just give you some instances. Look at uh, verse number 5. But these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue and after their families and in their nation. And that's a verse that doesn't seem like it ought to be there. It ought to be in chapter 11. But he's writing after the fact. Another one is verse 20. Another is verse 32. Those are verses that seem like they have chapter 11 in mind when they're being written, okay? God's giving them to us because we're getting to chapter 11, and so it's got chapter 11 in mind as we study. There's, there's three things I want to look at in chapter 10. First of all, there's the distribution of nations from the beginning. 
the distribution of nations from the beginning. Number two, the defiance of Nimrod through Babel. The defiance of Nimrod through Babel. Number three, the determination of a nation for Bethlehem. Those three, and we won't get to all of them tonight, uh, but we'll go as far as we can. Distribution of nations from the beginning. Chapter 10 gives us the genealogies of all the three sons of Noah. Even critics have admitted, even our critics admit, that this is amazing, accurate, historical document. There is no other catalog of ancient nations available to study for anybody in this world that is comparable to what God gives us in chapter 10. And yet many of those people are atheists. Many of those people don't even believe God at all, but they believe that this is the best chronological uh, and the best genealogical order that they could have anywhere in the world. It goes back further than anything that they've discovered. Isn't that amazing? We can walk blindly through this world hearing the gospel every day and still go to hell. And so that's what many people are doing. Now, let's look. When we look at this table of nations, we find 70 families. 70 families. I think that's significant since seven is the number of completion. And so God, if God can't give us all the families, we don't have a book that big, remember? We, so he gives us 70 families, and we're going to follow them. 14 are Japhetic, okay? 30 are Hamitic, and 26 are Semitic, okay? Now, the Japhetic line is Japheth, Japheth. He is born, his name is mentioned to us there, these are the generation of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Those are his three boys. So we'll, we'll kind of look at Japheth just, just for a moment, then we'll move to the other two and describe to you the differences in these three. Japheth is what we would call the Aryan peoples. Now, don't get this mistaken that I would be in favor of any of these Aryan ridiculous, vicious groups that's out there that are racist and anti-Semitic. I cannot stand that. I don't care whether they call themselves a skinhead or what they call themselves. They're not right with God if they believe that. Souls are important to them. They, white's important. I got news for them. There ain't no white people in this world unless they've seen a ghost. Amen? There's none. There's none. So he, he deals with the Japhetic, and they are the uh, Aryan peoples, what we would call the lighter-skinned people. We call ourselves white people, black people, but, but we're not white. We're just lighter-skinned. Can you say it that way? Lighter-skinned. Look at your hand. Is it white? Your Bible pages are white. Put your hand upside of it. See if it matches. You're not white. That's why I've always wondered why Obama said he was black. He wasn't black. He has half lighter skin and half darker skin. We, we, did, we didn't hear about that part, but there was 
two here. So that was the lighter skin that, and I'll tell you where they eventually went to, and you're probably already thinking ahead of me, but don't get ahead of me, okay? The second group he deals with is Ham. Now, Ham are the dark-skinned peoples. Today, we call them black. But many of them are not black. That's just a term we use, right? They're just dark-skinned people. Don't make them any less. Don't make them any better. There is no superior race. Write that down and make it clear. And if you work beside somebody or know somebody that's a KKK or an Aryan nation, or they're in some of that cultic group that thinks they're a superior race, just know that they are like Hitler in their heart. And you set them straight because there are no superior races in this world. God doesn't. God, God is no respecter of persons. I'm glad that's the way it is. And so Ham were mostly the dark-skinned people. Some nations are composed of mostly dark-skinned people. My daughter, when she was in Tanzania, I was with uh, many of those uh, uh, Tanzanians, and they were the Greatest people I've ever been around. They were hard. They were nothing like the dark-skinned people in America. So when I hear someone say they're African America, I say you ought to go to Africa and see what they're like. They're totally different from our people here. I mean, they they work hard. They do, they don't complain. They, they they make a living out of some almost nothing, and yet they're just happy as larks. And when they see a light-skinned person come in, it thrills their heart that they loved them enough to come to them. And so the dark-skinned people's there. Thirdly, there's Shem. And Shem is where we're going to, in a few minutes, we're going to dismiss Japheth and Ham. We're going to leave them. And the majority of the Bible is going to be about Shem. Y'all Okay. Y'all still here? All right. And you say, Brother, I can't believe you're saying such things like that. Why? It's in the book. If we wasn't, if we'd if we'd have not been afraid a long time ago to say some of this stuff, we might not be having some of the mess we got today. There might be a whole lot different relationship going on between the peoples and the cultures and the nations than there is right now. And so Shem, you say, well, why do you say that we're going to follow Shem? Because Shem is the word from which Hebrew comes. We know that because when we get to Abraham, Abraham is called a Hebrew. That that word comes from Shem. That's the word. And I can't... I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but no means or no intention. But, but, but if you study that deeply, you'll find that that's the word. They're Semitic peoples. Now, what that means is they're the sons of the Arab nations. They're the dark skin, the, the brown skin people, we would say today. 
the brown skinned people. They, they were, um, they're the Jews. They, as a result of that, you see, he, here's, here's what we find in, in Shem. We find in Shem that they are the only one who worshiped one God. You see, even the Muslims just worship one God. It's just not a real God. Y'all with me? And even the Arabs claim that Abraham is their spiritual father. But they say it's through the line of Ishmael, which was not a full-blooded Hebrew and could not have been the promised Messiah, but yet that's what the Arabs claim, and that's why we have a lot of problems in our world today is because they're still fighting and fussing over that situation. Listen, the Bible is clear about it. Salvation is of the Jews. Why didn't Mohammed just read that, close his Bible, walk back down the hill, tell his little girl wives to go home and start living for God? But he didn't. Now, God warns us here, and so I just want to give you some of the descendants of Japheth in the table of nations. This is what we got, a table of nations here. First of all, the Indo-Germanic races that settled in Europe and from Asia Minor in part of Russia all the way to Wales are Japheth's descendants, light-skinned people. Okay? Now, you say, what did they contribute to the world? Not a great deal in early days, but they, they really committed to the world political science. They, they gave us the extension of government. They helped us to come out of chaos into a governing system. Okay? Here's, and then now there's the descendants of Ham. That's in chapter 10, verses 6 through um, 20, and Japheth was verses 2 through 5, but the Hamitic races settled primarily from Phoenicia. Now, in that day, Phoenicia was Lebanon, not this Lebanon, but the Lebanon that is north of Israel, okay? That's where they settled there, at least that's what we believe. And so they settled in Lebanon all the way down through Africa. And uh, some of the early traces of civilization, you know where we get some of the earliest traces of civilization? I should have brought it with me tonight. I, I have on, on papyrus, I, I have their plan of salvation rolled up in papyrus what they believed about going to heaven, and they believed in a heaven, and they believed that there was a way to go to heaven. Now, it was the wrong way, but they believed that. Most of what we get from that most ancient of civilization comes from Egypt. From Egypt. Now, you don't want to go there now because they're crazy. I've been there. I don't ever want to go back again. Never. Never. I said, God, if you'll get me out of Egypt, I'm never coming back here until I'm on my white horse. Never. I didn't think I was going to get on a plane and get out of there. And so Egypt is not a place you want to go, but if, you, if you're a, an archaeologist, Egypt is a place you want to go. 
but they hinder that, keep that from being developed because they don't want to find anything that would... Y'all ahead of me? They don't want to find anything that would mess up what they believed. So they don't let people dig and they don't let people search in the areas to where we know. They'll even tell you this. There was no Hebrew captivity. You go to Egypt, you ask any of them, talk to any of them. They do not believe that there was any Hebrew captivity. He said, that's why they don't want anybody over there digging around. But, but, but they, they, they messed up because we've already found some things that proved it. I, well, I didn't need it anyway. I had a Bible. But still, it's good for a, a, a world who thinks they have to have everything scholarly. And so, that, 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 that's the sons of Ham. And they, you say, what did they contribute? Well, probably the gift of commerce. They... They were traders. They trade. Uh, they trade routes, and so they probably gave us the extension of trade. So we can thank them for that. Then there's the descendants of Shem in verses 21 through 31. Now the Semitic races, and when you, by the way, if you're not familiar with that term, when you hear someone say. He is anti-Semitic. It means he is anti-Jew. He hates the Jews. He wants to exterminate the Jews. He's anti-Semitic. Hitler was anti-Semitic. So he burned thousands. Y'all with me? So the Semitic races settled from Assyria all the way from Mesopotamia the Fertile Crescent, and the Asia Minor in Arabia. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen the world then? We don't have that privilege, but that's where they went. And you say, well, what have they contributed to the world? Well, they contributed to the world monotheism. Just what I said a while ago, they gave to the world one God. One God. No others. So the emphasis here is placed on Eber. The word kind of means to cross over. And verse number 21 kind of indicates a true follower here. So uh, the emphasis is placed on verse 25 on a guy by the name of Peleg. And, and notice what it says, and the name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Choctan. So it seems he was a man of faith, a man who loved God, a man who separated himself and took his people into a different area, relocated, got divided. God, you see, didn't have, in the, in the first earth, we had no oceans. We had rivers and streams and water, but we had no oceans. And here we had no divided land. You could go from all land to the other, but now the land divided. And so the peoples are divided with it. Uh, are y'all still here? Okay. Now, when you look at the sons of Japheth, and you'll see Gomer, 
and you see Magog, and you see other names like that, and the Medes and the Persians and the Afghans and the Kurds uh, all came from, from that area. From, from Yavan, we have the Greeks, the Romans, and all of that personalities or uh, dialects of languages and all of the races that came through them, all the people groups that came through them, not races. There's only three. And so that's what we called Anglo-Saxon race, and that was the English people. We speak English. Why do we speak English? Come on. You, did you go to school? Why do we speak English? Where do we come from? We speak English because we come from an English-speaking place. Now, we can't read the English that was spoken then. We're not smart enough. College graduates cannot read it, the literature. That's why they don't like the King James Version Bible. They, they, can't, understand, they can't read it. And so you've got to get something down almost like a comic book to get our kids to understand anything. And that's sad, isn't it? And so uh, those came for that reason. Let's look at the sons of Ham. I mean, the sons of Shem. From most of the Bible now is going to focus on him, Semitic people, and in verse number 24, especially Eber, okay? Uh, let me uh, pull out a few names that's going to be important to you. I know you're going to say, I don't think none of this is important. Just get to something else. I like killing and blood and all that stuff. You know, that's not... I'm sorry, this is just what's in the Bible. And God put it there so you could read it. He put it there so you know where you come from and so you could choose who you believe. All right. Look at the word Gomer. The word Gomer in the Bible is the area of Germans and Welsh. That word You'll find in Ezekiel 38 and 39, you'll see that word, Gomer. It's a, it is the Germans and the Welsh, or the Germany area and the Welsh. And then there's Magog, and they are today called the Russians. The Russians. Putin and his bunch. Whoever named anybody Putin. If they could speak English, they wouldn't have named him Putin. But anyway, they're, they're, they're the Russian peoples. And uh, by the way, they're light-skinned people. Okay? You're kinfolk. You're kinfolk. Just get it right. The Gentiles, you're kinfolk. So that's where we can. Now look at some of Tubal and Meshach. Those words are Tobolk and Moscow when... That, the areas today, and also includes some of the uh, uh, out uh, the fringe Russian peoples. That's those names. And then you have another name mentioned there in verse number two, Ashkenaz. Ashkenaz. As we move over there, Ashkenaz and Ashkenaz um, were probably Jews from Germany and Central Europe because there came, became a group called the. Ashkabinis still exists today, a, a group like that. And so 
No doubt, they, this was Jews who went into uh, Germany and Central Europe, okay? And then there was uh, Tagarma. Do you see that? That was Armenia and Turkey, that part of the world today. I give you those names because when you get to Ezekiel 38 and 39, which reveals a war in the middle of the tribulation period, not the battle of Armageddon, but it reveals a war in the middle of a tribulation period, and Ezekiel 38 and 39 is the battle of Gog and Magog. You know, we talk about it that way. And here's some of the names you're going to hear when you read that. You're going to hear Magog, you're going to hear Meshach, you're going to hear Tubal, you're going to hear Gomer, you're going to hear Tacoma. All numbers, all members of the anti-God alliance of the last days. Did you know in the last days who's going to be against God? Light-skinned people. Dark-skinned people. And even Jewish people. Don't think you're, don't think you're privileged. God's going to let you get by because you happen to live in America. In fact, we'll probably get the worst judgment of all because we've had so much of the Word of God. But somebody help me tonight. So I just want you to know who your ancestors are. So you won't go on Ancestry.com. You're wasting your time. I'm telling you tonight where you came from. You are Japhetic. When somebody says, you know, who are you kin to? I, I'm, I'm kin to Japheth. They won't know who he is, but just leave it at that, all right? Uncle Jacob, you know? And then there's, there's Tarshish. Uh, where did Jonah want to go? Tarshish. Tarshish was in Spain. That's where, no doubt, t- today, where the Spanish uh, people are in that particular area, uh, not Jewish. And in verse number six, he starts to talk about the Hamitic people, the dark-skinned people. And they were vigorous and they were aggressive. And, and, and the dark-skinned people were the early empire builders in the world. They were the early ones. Y'all, y'all hearing me? Now, you see, look at the word Cush. When you see the word Cush? That is the word that is the area today is called, is called Ethiopia. That's where people are starving to death. Cush. Now, let me tell you something about Cush. Cush was the dark-skinned people. Let me tell you two things about Cush. First of all, Cush was dark-skinned, very dark-skinned. You can find that in Jeremiah 13, 23, where Jeremiah said that that Cushite could no more change his skin to a different color than a leopard could rip off its spots. Okay? Now, let me give you the second thing. Y'all going to like this one, okay? They not only were dark-skinned, but they were tall. Just like today, they would control the NBA. Nobody else would have a chance. The dark-skinned people, uh, uh, during that day, uh, things has changed as they, if we intermingled and, 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 and over the years. But in that day, they were tall. You say, how do you know that? Because of Isaiah 45, 14. You see, uh, they, they were tall. So here, I want you to understand, when you think about Nimrod, Nimrod was what we would call a black man. 
Nimrod was a dark-skinned man. Y'all understand that? And so Nimrod became kind of a hero uh, to the people. He, he, he was a mighty, you know, uh, founder. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him in, the, in, a, in a minute. But in verse uh, uh, 7, you'll see the word Eba and Dedan. The, these were well known as Arabians. They were Arabians. Verse 17, you see the word Sinite. Uh, they were most probably in the word Chinese. The Chinese area is where that is what that refers to. And, and in verse 18 where it said spread abroad, that meant throughout most of Asia, but all across the Bering Strait into the North and South America, becoming the American Indians. That's me. <laughs> That's part of you. We all got a little of that in us, right? So that's how that happened in verse number 18. And as it spread abroad throughout most of Asia, then across the Bering Strait, and into the North and South America. And that's where when people say, well, where'd those Indians come from? Let me tell you something. We were here before y'all got here. Y'all running us out. Now I just got about a quarter, maybe a third. I don't know how you, I'd have to go to Ancestry.com to figure it out. <laughs> but my granddaddy was a Cherokee. And, um, you know, I, I, I've all, you know, they've been considered red, red skin people, but their skin was not necessary. I, you know, they wasn't red, they wasn't fire trucks. No. So, so let's, 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 let's go on. God gave each family a different tongue or language and, and dialect when we get to Babel. But before we get there, let's look at Mizraim. Look at the word Mizraim. Mizraim. They founded Egypt, and Egypt is called, now get this, in Psalm 105, verse 23, Egypt is called the land of Ham. And he's not talking about country ham. Okay? He's talking about the dark-skinned people. It became the land of them. Egypt was. Egypt was. And now it's become pretty much taken over by the Arabs. The brown-skinned people, as we would call them. And then there's the word P-H-U-T. Now, it's called fut here, but the word later is called put. Like put, you know. Miss a put. That's the word. That's what it was called. The word put, we, we're pretty much sure they were found in Libya. And if you, you can get another account of this in First Chronicles chapter 1, if you want to. Go back and read all that again. But in verse 21, we, we find, I think, the Persian Gulf people. We, we find them in verse number 21. Unto Shem, also the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder, even to him were children born. Those are primarily the Persian Gulf people. Those people who lived in the uh, south of Arabia and down on the coast and the Gulf. And so they were the Persian Gulf people. Eber, Hebrew. 
verse 23, there's a word I want you to notice. Do you see the word us? Who was from the land of us? Job. Job. Job was from the land of us. He came from a Semitic line, from the land of us. That's where he came from. You say, where's us? I don't know. Did you know nobody knows where us is? There's a lot of people, you know, that tries to come up with some kind of answer, but nobody really knows where us was. The story is not about us. It's about Job and God. And how that God whips the devil when we're obedient to our Lord. And so, but the word us comes up in Job. You you see why Genesis is so important, folks? Do you understand why I'm teaching this? So when you get to the book of Revelation, you'll understand a few things. And to help you, verse 25, I think it kind of indicates some non-compliance with Nimrod. And so I think the Semitic people said we're not going to follow Nimrod. Wasn't because he was dark-skinned, had nothing to do with it. It was because he was anti-one God. He was anti-their God. He was anti-Jehovah God. And so they divided themselves from Nimrod because he wanted to build the Tower of Babel. Why would, he, why would he do that? Well, he would do it because of defiance. In chapter 10, verses 8 through 12, Cush beget Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. Now, remember, he's a Hamite. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And out of that land went forth Asher and builded what? You know what? You know where Nineveh is? In the Bible, who 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 went to Nineveh? Jonah went to Nineveh. So it's a, a probably a good possibility that they were dark-skinned people in Nineveh, and literally he could not stand them uh, or Jonah could not stand the fact that God would save these and they were brutal I mean they were torturous they would they would skin people alive they would bear them and let the ants eat them I mean that they were horrible people and Jonah didn't want to see them saved he wanted to see them go to hell but God said I love them anyway and I want to see them saved and you better get you better get your boat straight. You got on the wrong boat, and I'm going to put you in a, in a fish, spit you out where you're supposed to be, and you better preach what I tell you to preach. And then the Bible says that, you know, Nineveh was a pretty good-sized place. You know, it was a several days' journey, him just walking through Nineveh. And someone has said that Nineveh covered, listen, that that, that, that area of uh, well, when we get, get a little bit further over to that place, Babylon, which is closed, covered 235 miles large. But whatever, before the Lord, he starts out, look, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. But the next time we look at him, he's against the Lord. 
You see, Babylon has always been a rebel against God. So when you get to Revelation, you'll understand that. Babylon always speaks of being a rebel against God. And when you get to the end of the book, it'll still be speaking about Babel being a rebel against God. So Nimrod, look at its largeness. By the time Nebuchadnezzar came on the scene, the city of Babel covered 225 square miles, and the empire was all the... um, it was all of that part of the world, basically. They just had the whole part of the world. He had, he had become a great empire, Nimrod had. It's, it is referred to 286 times in Scripture. So I'd say it's important, wouldn't you? So it became one of the seven wonders of the world. It was its beauty, its hanging gardens. They were legendary. It was the cradle of ancient civilization. You've heard it. You read it, or at least we did in school. You you should have studied the land of Mesopotamia, the cradle of civilization. That's where it was, right there. Run by Nimrod, the mighty hero against God. So Nimrod built a great city, and Jonah had to, finally had a revival in it, but it took him 40 days to walk through it, pretty big city. And sin always multiplies in cities, doesn't it? And so many of God's spokesmen came from rural or small environments. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? Cities seem to multiply sin. And so when God calls people, many times he calls them from little small towns, people like Amos and people like Micah and people like Jesus. Gets about little small towns. And so... I, I, I hope you'll understand how important this thing about understanding Babel is a, absolutely the fitting description of rebellion. And when you rebel in your heart, all you're doing is being Babylonian-like. You're being Nimrod-like against God. Look, look at its location, verse, verse 2. We know it was on the... Tigris-Euphrates Valley, that, that I've talked about already two or three times, and so I won't, I won't mention it. But Babel, now we've got a language issue. You see, everybody talked the same. Everybody spoke the same. Everybody spoke the same language. I don't care what color you was. If you was black, if you was brown, if, if, if you were light-skinned, whatever you were, you all spoke the same language. If, it didn't matter. The whole world spoke the same language. Now, you have to hack in to do that, right? You have to hack computers to do that. I don't know how to do it, but some guys, some people can. And they can, they can hack and understand what anybody has to say. But this was a singular language. Whatever language it was, I don't know. It was the language of Adam, and it probably was the language of Noah, and it may be the language of heaven. I I got an idea it won't be hick hillbilly spoken in heaven. It will be something else. It may be our vocabulary will be Hebrew. We don't know. It may be 
that God's going to allow us to speak all different languages, but yet we hear them in our language, just like Pentecost. So, but it also was a secular language. Look, let us, this was not a language of trusting and worshiping and praying men. It was all us and not God. None of God, all us. What materials we choose to build our kingdom is different from his. Jesus built his, or God built his, on a cornerstone whose name was the Lord Jesus. First Peter tells us that, right? But they built theirs, if you'll read, out of slime and brick. And I'd rather have a Savior who's the cornerstone that will not fall as to have a Savior who's built out of slime and brick. And so tonight, you may not be a rebel, but I'll guarantee you have been. I wish I could say I wasn't, but I have been. And tonight, maybe a rebel sitting right here, and if you died, you'd go to hell, and you know it, and you need to get saved tonight, you need to give your heart to Christ tonight. And you've already seen it. It doesn't matter where you're Hamitic, where you're Japhetic. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're a Jew, where you're a Gentile. God's made it available. The gospel is the power of God of salvation to all who will believe.